0: Welcome to Bible Fellowship Assembly Sunday Morning Messages. Today, Steve Osawa presents a message that he called, Truly Thankful. And now, here's Steve. A while back, I spoke on the passage in Mark's Gospel, where Jesus was entering his Jerusalem called the Triumphal Entry and touched briefly on Psalm 118, where it was one of the Hallel Psalms that people would have known and would have chanted at the Passover. And it's been shortened a bit at the banners at the back. But What's it say? Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Doesn't it? I was initially thinking about basing today's message on Psalm 118, but it morphed into something quite different over the last couple of weeks. My intent this morning is to look at what it means to be truly thankful, and I trust that we'll all be able to walk away with something to chew on today. When I looked up the origin of Thanksgiving, I was reminded that we Canadians were the first to celebrate it. So it seems only fitting that we spend time talking about Thanksgiving, eh? I've broken the message into five parts, including acknowledgement, acceptance, attitude, application, and advice. I will note that some of the verses I'll refer to can fall into more than one of these categories. But before we get into it, let's just open with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we just pause. We just marvel that the God who created the heavens and the earth created us so amazing. And you loved us so much that you sent us your Son. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I thank you for your word and your spirit and pray that you would just guide us as we open it this morning, that we may just draw closer to you and be singing your praises in Jesus' name. Amen. So let's start with the first A. I'm going to suggest to you that being truly thankful begins with an acknowledgement that God created us and he loves us so, so much. It seems strange in some ways, but we're made in the image of God. Psalm 139 says, For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written, every one of them, for the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. Now, Perhaps you wish that God made you taller, stronger, faster. Or maybe that's just me. Regardless of our physical stature, though, what's inside is far more important. God made us to be in a relationship with himself. How amazing is that? The God who created the heavens and the earth created and loved us. I just have a hard time wrapping my head around that sometimes. The second thing to acknowledge is that the Bible points us to Jesus. We're told that God knew us before we were even born. how Our days were written in a book. There's nothing that's hidden from him, is there? Nothing whatsoever. All of the good things, all of the bad things, and everything in between. And ours is a God who can't stand sin. He can't be in the presence of sin. And he knows that we are a sinful people. So our infinite, perfect, our holy, our our all-knowing, our loving, perfect judge needed to bridge the gap between his holiness and our sinfulness. And so he sent his son to pay the penalty for the world, including our sin. And we know that the Bible points to Jesus even before he became a little baby. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. We sung a bit of that already, didn't we? The psalmist notes that the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. The first three gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, all record that Jesus reminded the Pharisees of this quote. And they were put out because they realized he was talking about them being the builders who rejected him being the cornerstone. The third aspect to acknowledgement is need to acknowledge that salvation comes only through Jesus. He is the one who makes it possible for people like us to have a relationship with a perfect and holy God. In Acts 4, Peter speaking with the rulers, elders, and scribes, who want to know by what power he had healed a man who had been unable to walk from birth. And Peter notes that it was by the name of Jesus Christ the Nazarene, And he goes on to say this. That's not what he goes on to say. He, Jesus, is the stone which was rejected by you, the builders, but which became the chief cornerstone and there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven that has been given among men by, by which we must be saved. Jesus himself told the people, You search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life, and it is they that bear witness about me. As Paul notes in Romans three, twenty three and twenty four, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, being justified as a gift by his grace through the redemption, which is in Christ Jesus. And it's important that we acknowledge our position relative to God, isn't it? It's critical that we salvation offered through Jesus. So we need to take that step from knowing about God to knowing God. We've all sinned and fallen short and all need to repent and turn to Jesus. And we just noted earlier that Jesus is the only way to be saved, the only way to receive eternal life. No matter how hard we try, we can't work our way there, we can't Go on eBay and buy a ticket. There's nothing we can do. It's only in God's grace. And each of us has to make that decision as to whether or not we're going to take him up on the gift that he offers us. Indeed, as I'm sure you're most aware, there is no greater decision, is there, that somebody could make to put their trust in Jesus for the forgiveness of sin and for eternal life. Romans 10, 9 and 10. If you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. For it's with the heart that a person believes resulting in righteousness and with the mouth that he confesses resulting in salvation. And I trust that nobody will leave here without having made that decision. And if there's any here, anybody on Zoom listening to the message, you know, I and others would be happy to talk further with you if you have any questions about what this is. So my next A is attitude. If Jesus is Savior and Lord, then we are new people, right? Our thoughts and our attitudes should be changed. We do need to be careful, though, about how we think of ourselves. Being a Christian doesn't make us better than others, does it? Our righteousness is nothing that we've attained. It's something Jesus has done on our behalf. There's just no place for self-righteousness. Have you ever heard something to the effect of, I can't stand those Christians. They think they're so much better than everybody else. Our attitudes should reflect God's love. And it's not that we should accept everything that the world values and treasures. On the contrary, there's so many things we should be rejecting. That's how we approach things. In Luke 18, Jesus told a parable about some who trusted in their own righteousness. Two men went up into the temple to pray, one a Pharisee, the other a tax collector. The Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed thus, God, I thank you that I'm not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, even like this tax collector, I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all I get, but the tax collector standing far off would not even lift up his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, "God, be merciful to me, a sinner." Another aspect of our attitude is giving thanks and praise. Talking about ten lepers. As he entered a village, he was met by ten lepers who stood at a distance and lifted the voices, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice. And he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now he was a Samaritan. Paul told the Philippians to have the same attitude as Christ, who, though, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as something to be grasped. And I would suggest that a practical way for us to start doing that is just to have an attitude of gratitude in all things. Our fourth A is application. Theory is easy, isn't it? I would hazard a guess that most everyone here realizes it's all about Jesus and that we should be thankful for who He is, for what He has done and continues to do in our lives. So the question is, how good are we at applying it? Do our actions always line up with what we know? It's pretty easy most times to be thankful when good things happen, isn't it? How do we do sometimes when things don't go well or worse when we face really challenging situations? I must admit, sometimes my first reaction to the situation isn't always thankfulness. Uh, I re- recently built a stand to hold the off-season tires. Uh, and when I pick rubbing on my hand, there's a nail in it. And unfortunately, when I got to the tire shop, it meant I'm going to be buying a new tire again." And I think, "Ah. just this spring we had to replace the tire that was almost brand new because we caught a screw in it. So after feeling ashamed at my initial reaction at the tire store, I quickly put in perspective and I realized, I need to be thankful. We weren't driving, and this thing didn't blow when we were driving. I could afford to replace the tire. Not that I didn't want to, not that I to spend money on it, but I could be thankful that I had a vehicle to drive. Just kind of the realization of what are you getting excited about? And sometimes it's just easy to feel sorry for ourselves, isn't it? It's easy to develop an attitude of ingratitude. Other people have better jobs, they have all the money they need. They have these wonderful homes, perfect families. Where's God when I'm going through this or that crisis? Linda and I were faced with a, a rather challenging situation recently, and I said something to the effect that I'm not feeling very thankful for this. She kind of smiled and said, ah, We're to give thanks in all things. Now, I already knew that but I just wasn't feeling too thankful. And sometimes we just can't envision how a situation is going to work out for the better. God doesn't reveal the full plan to us, does he? We need to just trust and go one step at a time. What did the psalmist say? Your word is uh, what to my feet? Mm-hmm, a light, a lamp. Not a big floodlight where you see everything, just... You know something that you can go a step at a time. Now, a sure sign of ingratitude is complaining, is grumbling, kind of like the way the Israelites grumbled in the wilderness when they wanted foods that were back in Egypt after God gave them manna. We should be thankful for a God who gives us the countless blessings that He's bestowed on us. And I'm going to say thankfulness. Re- Results in praise to God, doesn't it? And we don't need to worry about what's going to happen in the future. I found this great quote from H.A. Ironside. He said, We would worry less if we praised more. Thanksgiving is the enemy of discontent and dissatisfaction. Do our attitudes show gratitude? Does our gratitude outweigh our ingratitude? The Apostle Paul said, For I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I've learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. So Paul learned contentment in all circumstances. I think this is a great example showing Christianity does not equate to wealth. Does not Christianity does not equal prosperity. Jesus noted how hard it was for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven, and he also noted that you can't serve two masters. You can't serve both money and God. And as we see in this quote in this passage, contentment is tied to a focus and a reliance on God. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face and the things of earth will go strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. He told, Paul told the Philippians to rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. If we were to look at thanksgiving on a continuum, where would you place yourself? You feeling At the far end, totally unsatisfied, wondering why God has shortchanged you? Or are you at this other end of the spectrum, where you're thankful in all things? Maybe you're somewhere in between. So, our fifth A is advice. And, by the way, if anyone's wondering, yes, this is the first time I ever got straight A's on anything. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. Rejoice, pray, in everything give thanks. Now I got a question. Any of you young people, and I'm not going to define young, that's up to you. Any of you young people know who this guy is? I'm showing sure my age now. And what did he say? What if today we were grateful for everything? So here's just a few suggestions to help get us there. Consider who you are in Christ, count your blessings, change your perspective if need be, apply a bit of Cancel culture. I use that one very cautiously. Take one step at a time in faith. Tune out what drags you down and be a blessing to someone else. So let's just take a quick look at these. First, consider who you are in Christ. So I started off the message just noting that we, we need to acknowledge that God created us, that the Bible points to Jesus and salvation comes only through him. Then we move to the need to accept God's incredible gift, that gift of grace, and make a personal decision to turn from sin and to turn to Jesus. So who, who are we as Christians If you read the first couple of chapters in Ephesians, sorry, Paul's letter to the Ephesians, you get a glimpse of some of the amazing blessings that Christ has bestowed on those who put their trust in him. For example, we've been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Amazing. We've been chosen in him before the foundation of the world. We're predestined to adoption as sons and daughters. We're redeemed through his blood, forgiven of our wrongdoings. He's lavished on us the riches of his grace. And who is this? Oh yeah, this is the the Lord, the God who made everything and holds that in the palm of his hand. And how small are we? And yet, this is what... some of the spiritual blessings we've been given. He's made known to us the mystery of his will. We've obtained an inheritance. We're sealed with him, with the Holy Spirit of promise. All this at a time when we were dead in our offenses and our sins. But now we're made alive together with Christ because it's by grace that we have been saved. And we are his workmanship. And the list goes on, doesn't it? Certainly something to be thankful for, something to be in awe of. It's just so amazing. So the second piece of advice on there is just count your blessings. By the way, you can take or leave this, uh, my thoughts, my advice, just uh, something that had come to mind to me as I prepared Have you considered some of the other blessings God has bestowed on you? Many will remember a song that we sung once in a while called Count Your Blessings. Count your blessings, name them one by one. Count your blessings, see what God has done. And I can remember Mr. Donaldson adding a verse at the end saying, Count your blessings, weigh them ton by ton. And to me, the song provides us with some very practical advice. Because it's easier to focus on what we don't have. Sorry, it's easier to focus on what we don't have when we just don't consider how much we've been given. Now, God does some of His work through people, doesn't He? And to me, our blessings include friends with whom we could share good times. Sorrows, challenges, and sometimes we need to lean on our Christian friends for godly wisdom, which I would suggest is another blessing. Being thankful is about perspective. Linda and I recently visited some friends and family uh, in and near the Collingwood area. And we got there and we were just amazed by these fantastic bike trails and how well they were maintained. And the trails go by and they go by the shore of Georgian, Georgian Bay. You look on the other side, we're touring around with her friend and our friend and we saw this private residence. She pointed out this private residence and it looked to be as big as the nearby housing complex. And then she kind of pointed out that, you know, there's a nice boat over there and that's the helipad. Oh, there's, there's a helicopter that goes with it. And And we're just kind of touring around other areas and thinking, wow, what a nice, what a beautiful place. This is Collingwood. Wouldn't it be nice to live there? In the town, not in that big house. Excuse me. I thought, you know, if that were to happen, though, I'd be riding those wonderful bike trails to work because we couldn't afford much, if anything, around there. I thought, you know, here, I can go cross-country skiing, maybe sooner than later, the way it's gone. The season starts earlier, it ends later. Works for me. You know, and apologies to those who don't like winter. Here, you can get out in any season and enjoy the beauty of God's creation right in our own backyards. And I was just... That the more we see God in everything in our lives, the more content we are. And by extension, the more thankful we are with what we have. By the way, how is a nail in the tire a blessing? I'm not sure it is, but it certainly does point to things, it did point to things, that I'm blessed with. Safety, the ability to purchase that new tire, have a vehicle, etc., it's really about perspective, isn't it? The next one is just to two note what drags you down. Computers and the Internet are, and what they enable are absolutely wonderful, or they could be absolutely horrible in everything in between, aren't they? I would dare say that some of the challenges that we see in society now are a result of too much of that good thing. For example, being bombarded with all the great lives other people are living, all the wonderful vacations they're taking and how perfect everything is, and then we look at ourselves and think, "hmm, kind of my life isn't quite so exciting I'm being short changed I deserve better, or it's easy to offend other people on what they're living and posting about or what they think when you're behind a keyboard and sometimes people do it intentionally, sometimes unintentionally. But it's much easier to do, to offend somebody if you're anonymous. It's not like when you're there talking on the phone or better yet, talking face to face. And I think this is one of the challenges of the computer age. It's easy to feel totally hopeless when you see one bad thing after another on the newsfeed, when bad behavior seems to be rewarded over and over. So there may be times when we need to tune these things out. Just tune them out before the negative negativity takes over. And it allows us to lose sight of how blessed we really are. Don't get me wrong. It's not that we should be ob- oblivious to what's happening out there, but we just can't let it consume us, can we? Tuning out what drags us down leads us back to God and His goodness. I recently heard an interesting quote that seemed appropriate. It says, The world comes at us, but Christ lives in us. And how do we go about this? One step at a time in faith. How can a loving God allow, and you can fill in the blank, to happen? I don't know the whole answer. I think I've got an answer. I would suggest that part of it lies in the fact that we as people have strayed from God's original design, from His intent. Certainly, I and I trust all of you know that He loved us so much that He sent His Son. How much more can we get? And I would suggest that. And we tend to grow in the valleys than on the mountaintops. Didn't ask him, I think he'd be okay. Uh, some of you know Ron Paget, he's with navigators. And he would say, you know, lean into that pain. It's when you lean in that you draw closer to God. Paul experienced this in 2 Corinthians, in his letter to 2 Corinthians, sorry, in. The letter we know is 2 Corinthians. He said, Because of the extraordinary greatness of the revelations, for this reason, to keep me from exalting myself, there was given to me a keep me from exalting myself. Concerning this, i pleaded with the Lord three times that it might leave me. And he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for power is perfected in weakness. As I noted earlier, We need to take one step at a time. We know that God wants what's best. We just don't always realize how it's going to play out in our lives. Sometimes we only recognize it after we've gone through it, don't we? Being thankful for our blessings is a good way to remember that God has something great in mind for all aspects of our lives. Because we walk by faith, not by sight. My last suggestion is to be a blessing to somebody else. It's easy to get caught up in our own lives, isn't it? However, we need to be in touch with others. Some people may be isolated. They may be hurting. They may be in need of help at times. And we have the opportunity and the privilege to serve God in this way. We should be sharing what God has given us, what he's done Not just keeping it for ourselves. So, just in closing, I hope that this has provided you with some food for thought and helps each of us move along that continuum so that we can say that, yes, we are truly thankful in all things. True thankfulness for our blessings, our countless blessings. Results in praise and glory to the one who indeed deserves all of the honor, the praise, and glory. In thanksgiving, let us praise Him, and may be that may that be our response to God's grace and goodness every day. Our gracious Lord and King. We thank you for this day and for this message of thanksgiving that we've heard. We thank you that you are present with us even now. And we thank you for this uh, time that we can spend together experiencing you in this way. Be with us through the week and bless our times of uh, sharing and our times of being with others our times of uh, fellowship for those who are Missing that in many ways, we do pray that you would provide for them your presence and your encouragement. And may we be truly thankful as we go. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening. Come back next week for the next Sunday morning message from Bible Fellowship Assembly. Visit us on the web at bfa.church where you will find our physical address and contact information. We'd love to see you if you're in the Timmins area or drop us a line at info at Until next time.